Hello and welcome to the Visaitri Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Avinash Ramchandani. Welcome to podcast number 10, season number 2. Today we're going to talk about a very interesting case study. Therefore, my very interesting title of Why I Don't Eat Goat Brain. If you are enjoying this podcast, please go rate my podcast on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. Please rate four or five stars. I'd love that. I would be totally happy if you did that for me. And thank you again for listening. Remember, all the advice that you hear on this podcast is that what I said. Advice. I am a physician, but I am not yours. If you have any questions, you can always send me an email at physiatrypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. So I'm going to talk about why I don't eat goat brain. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting topic. I was debating what to talk about this week and thinking about doing a book review or case file. Well, anybody can do a book review. A case file is going to be unique as far as what I do. And This case file actually came from medical school. I'm obviously going to change the names of the patients, places, and the actual situation. Of course, I don't remember most of those things because it was so long ago. Yes, I went to medical school about uh, 16 years ago. This is from that long ago. Actually, it's more than that. I think it's... Yeah, I finished med school. It's about 16 years ago. So anyway, let's talk about some history first of all. When I was a kid, and even nowadays, I visit Mumbai, India. And in fact, I visited India and stayed there for months at a time when I was a child. I enjoyed Mumbai, even though it was the most densely, it is the most densely populated metropolis in the world. There are about 15 million people that live in Mumbai and a population density of about 50,000 people per square mile. This is the densest population in a large city in the world, except for one. I believe there's uh, Manila, which is a little bit more populated. That is a large city greater than one million people. But it is the most dense of all metropolises with more than five million people. In comparison, New York City is almost 27,000 people per square mile. So this is twice that approximately than New York City. The part of Mumbai I used to call I used to stay in was called Chembur. There's a small restaurant there called Vigs, Vigs, V I G S. They have a very spicy food even for Indian standards, even for Mumbai standards and uh, quite a bit of very interesting type food. So one of the things that they sold was goat curry. Not only goat, but they had goat brain curry. So when I was a kid, my mom actually introduced me to goat brain, and it was actually, at the time, I thought very tasty. Unfortunately, this changed after medical school, and I'll tell you exactly why. So brain in general is pretty fatty. So when you mix brain and other things, it can be a pretty fatty and sort of tasty delicacy. This is something I'm sure when Anthony Boudin was alive, he would actually go and eat and see that, as well as some of the other adventure people that go into travel places. But there was a particular smell with brain, and that's sort of where I'm going to get into this case study that becomes very interesting and sort of disturbing for me. So I'm going to sort of give you a background as far as where this whole thing started. So I started my rotations in 
Chicago, and then I was doing some rotations in fourth year of medical school where I would go throughout the country and do rotations. So one of my rotations was here on the West Coast in California. So I wasn't in my town of Chicago where I was doing medical school. I went to Chicago Medical School, the Rosalind Franklin University, and I was actually out here on the West Coast. I'm not going to tell you exactly where, but somewhere in California. Let's just say that. And so I was in an emergency room rotation and in a trauma center. And the trauma center was very busy, and I had lots of trauma that I saw, which was interesting. There were things, everything from, you know, heart attacks to people that got into car accidents. There were lots of car accidents up and down Highway 5 and Highway 101 that actually were sent to us where we were at. And then there was this one case where we had a police officer that called in and said, hey, we have a patient that has a gunshot wound to the head and we have another patient with a gunshot wound to the leg. Now, Gunshot wound to the head, I think you know where I'm going here. The background goes like this. They, these two people, both the people that were shot, were actually shot by the police. And they were shot by the police because they were going doing a drug deal and apparently showed a weapon to the undercover cop who uh, took out a 40 caliber weapon and shot them. This 40 caliber weapon is a pretty large weapon, apparently, and both of them were shot. One was shot in the leg and one was shot in the head. So when we're in the emergency room, oftentimes we get a you know, a distress call from the, from the ambulance. And it kind of tells us exactly what's going on in, in one sense. And then we kind of have to prepare for it. So we get a distress call that, oh, there are two people that are shot. One person that is in talking and doing okay. The other person has a GCS of three. GCS is the Glasgow Coma Scale. And GCS of three is actually the lowest Glasgow Como scale that you can have. And so this patient was essentially not awake, not talking, not doing anything. And that's a scary thing, especially when you have a gunshot wound to the head. So enrolls a patient in a gurney that was that had a gunshot wound to the leg and he was rolled to a room and they sort of stabilized him and uh, took x-rays and things like that. That is not the important thing. The other patient that came in with the gunshot wound to the head, I was actually going to help with that patient. So this patient came in to the trauma room, trauma bay one, I believe it was. And so the EMS then transfers him to the trauma bay and they have him on a, it's like a red, a green or a yellow uh, baseboard and they transfer him and he is now on the bed. And none of us actually got a good look of his body other than you know his clothes and everything like that and we knew he was breathing he wasn't intubated yet so we then stripped the patient which is normal for any emergency room we rip off his clothes by cutting it cutting his clothes off and make sure and look at his wounds and everything and he actually looked pretty good on the front so everything was pretty much intact so then the part came to we had to stabilize his his vital signs. So what we did first was we checked his all his vital signs and put on uh, everything, and he looked pretty good. But then we had to look at his his brain and his head and everything like that. So then we 
had to lift his head up in order to take a look at the back of his head and intubate him. So I was in charge of his head. So here's what happened. The attending kind of knew what was going to happen and I did not. So we lifted his head up as well as the rest of his body and out came his brain. Literally, there were parts of brain coming out of his head. And this the smell of brain is unique. It's something that I've never smelled in any other part of the body whenever I've done injections, whenever I've done anything else, any sort of blood. Nothing smells like brain. Brain is completely different. And that smell of brain is kind of the same smell that you get when you eat brain. And after that, anytime I have smelled brain or the goat brain or whatever, it just reminds me of that situation where there is brain coming out of this person's head. And I have not been able to eat brain ever since then. Sorry about the gore, but it's true. This is a case study and these things happen. It's unfortunate, but uh, that is that is the story of why I don't eat goat brain. In any case, you probably are wondering what happened to this patient. Well, he had brain coming out of his head. There was no saving him. We did intubate him, and I was in charge of holding his head for intubation. We did put a tube down his throat to stabilize him. We put an IV in for some fluids, but he passed away in the next few hours because that was not life-sustaining, and there was nothing we could do about it. And unfortunately, that was uh, his that was the end of his life. And it was because he was doing a drug deal and tried to show a gun to a police officer. Now, I know that's controversial, and there's a lot of controversy about police and guns and shootings and things like that. There was even one in my old hometown of Danville a few weeks ago, and that person also passed away. There have been some protests and some other stuff because of it. This is not a political podcast. This is a health podcast. At the same time, politics aside, I don't know what side to be on for this. Whether the police are right or whether the the people are right, there's probably somewhere in between that's actually correct. I don't know what to say about that. In any case, if you want to hear more about gun violence, you can hear about my prior episode about gun violence and the amount of gun violence here in the United States, along with the rest of the world. There's one piece of news I wanted to cover as this is breaking news and I just wanted to identify this as something that is important to cover and talk about as we have this COVID-19 pandemic that continues to be unfettered here in the United States and throughout the world. I know of many people that have been ill with COVID-19 and several of them have passed away and I give tribute to them and I want to say sorry to all those people that are affected by the COVID-19 pandemic and the people that have passed away. In any case, the bit of news isn't that. The bit of news is the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. They have had four cases of blood clots, one of which was in a clinical trial, and they have the CDC and the federal government has decided to halt the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine from Johnson & Johnson. Now, we have delivered six 
1,820,188 doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And within that population, there has been four blood clots that they think are attributed to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The thing that's unusual about these blood clots is that these patients also have low platelet counts. So what we call that is something like DIC or disseminated intravascular or intravascular coagulation. And this is where blood clots are throughout the body, but they also have low platelet counts. Now, mind you, the rate of these clots in the population of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is approximately one in one in three quarters million. So the rate is extremely low for these blood clots. The rate of blood clots in adults in the United States is one in 1,000. There are coagulopathies that can cause this, including cancer, obesity, or some acquired disorders of hypercoagulation. But a lot of times we can't find why people have blood clots. It just happens. Or people are just too still and then develop a blood clot. Obviously, the rate of DIC, or disseminated intravascular coagulation, is extremely low, but it is actually about 1% of all people that are admitted to the hospital, and many of the people that have sepsis can develop this condition. And this is the condition that usually kills people, not the actual sepsis or the, or the bacterial or viral infection. So this is a big deal. And although it's only four in seven million, there may have been more that have been not seen or not found out about. So this is why they've stopped uh, rolling out the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. On the other hand, this is on the abundance of, of caution to make sure that this is actually due to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and not due to something else. So again, the chances of someone dying from getting a vaccine versus getting COVID-19, much different. There's been one person that's died from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine out of 7 million that have gotten the vaccine. And there are a lot more than that that have died from COVID-19. So in any case, Still, I think it's okay that they've stopped rolling out the vaccine. On the other hand, it's out of an abundance of caution. And when they do start rolling it out again, it should be perfectly fine. And they're just going to make sure that this is not more widespread than they know. In any case, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. This is the Physiatry Podcast. This is Dr. Avinash Ramchandani. If you have any questions, please send me an email at physiatrypodcast at gmail.com. You can also send me a message on Facebook or at Twitter. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you next week.